Hi, I'm Pat Kelly. And I'm Peter Oldring, and we're the hosts of This Is That. Are you kidding? For over a decade, we were radio's go-to source for completely fabricated news. You must be joking me. And now, we're back in podcast form. We've selected some of our favorite stories from over the years and put them in one convenient location. Sugar in the tap water. Bilingual dog park. Charging to see wildlife. This Is That, coming soon on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. So one day, the artist Alyssa P. was jogging. She was listening to ABBA, and then it dawned on her the inspiration for her new record, an album of these big, classic pop and rock songs translated into her language, translated into nictitude. If that's not enough, each of those songs represent a memory from her childhood, and she'll tell you about the healing journey you go on when you make a record like this. Alyssa B, coming up. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. The thing about certain songs is they can evoke certain memories in your life. Like whenever I hear Viva Forever by the Spice Girls, I immediately think of, to be honest, like grade six, dance in Count Heights, the part of St. John's that I'm from. First Kiss happened to that song. I bet if you hear a certain song on the radio, it does bring back those old memories of high school dances, of road trips, maybe weddings, maybe funerals, maybe births. For the Quebecois artist Alyssa P, she's been thinking a lot about the way the songs can bring back memories and the songs that were important to her when she was a child, when she was growing up. She thought about songs by Metallica and Led Zeppelin and Fleetwood Mac, and she took these songs and compiled them into a new record. But here's where things get a little bit different. Alyssa B, who is Inuk, translated each song into Inuktitut, the language she was surrounded by as a young girl growing up in Salouis, Quebec. So they sound more like this. So that's a little bit of Time on Yali Mak, which is Elizabeth's version of the song by Cindy Lauper, Time After Time. Elizabeth refers to these songs as not just a collection of old songs, but as an emotional autobiography. And I'm glad she dropped into the studio to talk a little bit about it. Here's our conversation. Hi, how are you? Hi. Welcome to the I'm, show. Thank you. I'm, I'm very good. Nice to have you here. Nice to nice to be here with you. Yeah, I know. So nice to talk to you in real life and not just on yeah. the internet. Yeah, on Instagram. Yeah. Tom, can you help me, please? Can you find Robert Plant? Uh, you were trying to get me to <laughs> track down. I mean, we were trying to figure out how to make, because you were telling me about this record, I think, yes. like two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, you were trying to do something like that. Because I've been making this album, well, I been preparing it slowly because I had to translate them and also try to figure out how I'm going to get all the music rights because when you re um when you are re reinterpretation yeah, yeah. Um, when you change to another language it becomes a whole complicated thing with the publishers and everything but we managed to get Robert Plant um, a year after we recorded the album we gave ourselves a whole year just to make sure we have everybody because it's a bit complicated um, Rolling Stones not not Cindy Lauper uh, Fleetwood Mac Debbie Harry uh, Debbie Harry they uh, Metallica right away they were like yes wow. 
cool, right? But I think Robert and Jimmy are a little bit harder to to reach. That's mm-hmm. why I was like, okay, who do I know? If anyone, if anyone has contacted Led Zeppelin, it's the guy from Newfoundland. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, of in course. the plaid shirt, of course. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you've interviewed him. I have. Yeah, I met, he, sat, he sat right where you oh, are right now. Oh, my God. Amazing. Uh, yeah. You must have changed overnight. Like, you were a whole do, different person, right? Yeah, I, I mean, Led Zeppelin, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I joined the band. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is my last interview. In your head. Yeah, in my head. uh, Let's back up a little bit. Yeah. Um, um, I I don't know the story. Yeah. uh, But my understanding of the story is uh, this record came to you while you were jogging or something like that? Yes. Pandemic. I had to find a way to find my sanity a little bit, you know, kids at home and... And I was like, well, I'm not in the mood to write my own music yet. So I said, oh, maybe I'm just going to do my my little project I've been wanting to do since forever is to sing songs that are dear to me, that reminds us of, you know, our, our memories when we were kids. So mm-hmm. it was like a gift I wanted to do to my family, to myself. And I was like, why am I crying, first of all, yeah. to an ABBA song or a Blondie song? And then I realized there's stuff there that I have to dig. And that's what I started doing. And it became really interesting. I felt very alive all of a sudden. Did the emotion come through the translation, too, like translating these songs into what <gasps> you need to do? Oh, yeah. It's another layer. For instance, um, I didn't really want to do Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, everyone's listened to this song probably in their young life and, you know, smoking weed and whatever, you know, pretending to be with Pink Floyd. Um, And I was like, it's so easy in a way. I should maybe choose another song. So I gave it another try. I went for my jogging two days later and I was like, is it going to stir up something really or not? So I'll, you know, eliminate it. And it did. This song was really about um, young kids um, trying to deal with the loss of a cousin who committed suicide. Mm. So this was a song we would put on uh, often. Mm. So I started feeling those emotions again, and I felt like they've been stuck in my body for for so long. I didn't even know they were still there. Mm. So it became a whole new thing when I translated again and even more like... Whoa, this is heavy, you know? But why, became, why even heavier when you translate it? Because the words uh, were just lost so swimming in a fishbowl yeah. year after year. Yeah. Um, when you really try to find the meaning of that in Inuktitut, you realize these really did make sense for us, you know? They really were like almost like Inuit songs in English, but now I'm, yeah. That they did, they, um, help me understand that a little bit better. Um, 
So, like you, you, For, you, you would you, you knew them in English growing up. Yes, you knew these of songs course, in English yeah. growing up. And when you translated them to Inuktitut, you said like, "Oh, I, I understand them even better now." Yes, okay. it's like I, I realized that they were they really meant something for all of us, you know. Um, now I just have to dig a little further more and to make them even more understandable. So that's how I'm hoping that my cousins, when they'll hear it, they'll be like, oh, because English is not our first language, yeah, right? So yeah. I'm hoping they're going to listen to it and be like, oh, that's why I love this song so much. I understand perfectly now. Yeah. That's beautiful. Why don't we, why don't yeah. we listen to something together? Okay. Okay, let's do that. That is Umati Ananasimat by Elisipi. It's her cover of Blondie's Heart of Glass. What comes to mind when you hear that? When I hear it, I, 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 I don't know why I get emotional, you know, is, because there's... Is there a memory with that song? If, if you want to, by the way, you don't feel like you have to. Oh, of course, of course I want to. <laughs> I'm like, it's a good memory. Um, I was about maybe four or five years old. We uh-huh. would go to this small town in Ivojivik near my hometown where my adoptive family are originally from because we were all from different places until we were located relocated to towns mm. which um, we were nomads of course so we'd visit there and then it's uh, early summer and we end up at this little dance hall um, with a bunch of kids who are my babysitters and this song comes on it's like in the movie you know this song comes on and all of a sudden there is legs and <laughs> butts and <laughs> hips and moving and I'm long hair. Um, it's this is like early '80s, and they're dancing to this song, and I'm, I'm like, wow, this is so cool. Um, also, this time, uh, this is early '80s, where there's still no suicides in the north. Um, where things are so fresh and new and modern, because before that, you know, my my town wasn't even a town in the 60s, right? So everything was so exciting. That's how it felt like. So that's my memory of this song. And yeah, it's joyful, but yet there's a lot of innocence before maybe the hardships that comes pretty soon after. Yeah, I hear what you're saying there. That the, the, you, you look back and you hear these, you feel these beautiful memories of carelessness and yeah. and loveliness and, and dancing too. and innocence. Um, and then, but it's also tinged with this knowledge that that's not going to last. You know, yes. that there's, that there's sadness and, and trauma to come. A lot of sadness, yeah, because of what had happened before. This is like, yeah, because, you know, um, residential school yeah. survivors, um, there are, are, you know, grandfathers who are trying to figure out how they're going to live in this and educate their kids in this environment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just so, it's just full of beauty just mm. when I see this image. Yeah. The, the, this, this, this moment, this moment mm. of beauty. And Debbie Harry wrote you? Yeah. 
the day Debbie Harry from Blondie, I should say, who's responsible yeah, for that song? Deborah, she signed. Uh, she wrote me an email through her management, my management, and she said, Elisabi, this is very beautiful. I'm I'm really happy and honored you took this song and I watched the video. It's really lovely. Congrats. And mm. I'm like, what? And Metallica shared the video also. So it's it's been it's been nice to know that a few of them actually saw it because, you know, it's, they're they're all busy, mm. very popular people. Yeah, what do they have to do? Uh, what are they doing all day? Give me a break. <laughs> it's there. It's not them who are complicated to 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 reach. It's the entourage, mm. you know. Yeah. We'll be right back. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, Here, There and Everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Elizabeth's take on the Rolling Stones' Wild Horses. I love how you say them. Thank you. On you the, say it very well, the Inutitut version. Yeah. I'm very uh, lucky that when I was in uh, Nunavut, I, I sat down with yes. uh, Pauline Pemick, and she sat down. You know, she's this great CBC broadcaster yes, out there. Yes, yes, And she of sort of course. drilled my Inutitut uh, into me a little bit. And to say yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's pretty good, too. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, I hear that. <laughs> That's really hard to, to do. I try to teach my musicians very late at night. It works better, but the next day it's like, what was that again? <laughs> wait, wait, that means a lot. Thank you very much. Tell me um, tell me about uh, what memories associated with that one. With this one, um, I had a, I was a teenager. I had a, I can't really say which job I had because we're going to kind of, we're going to, Maybe back home they're going to be, oh, you're talking about this okay. person. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So we were working, hanging out, a summer job. And then my friend, um, he was a bit down during the break. And sometimes I'd notice when he was a bit down, he would listen to this song. Um, and then I realized, okay, when I went for my jogging, I realized, why is it staring something in me? You know, wild horses. It's beautiful, yes, but... I was like, oh, I realized now I remember he had issues with his dad. That's why he was, it was, you know, as a young man, having issues with your dad, being afraid of your dad, but yet loving him is must be very challenging. You know, it's challenging for girls, but I think even more for our young mm-hmm. men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I re- And I just felt like, oh, this is so, he was sad. This is so sad. And I realized... We were all a bunch of sad kids mm. in a way. 
And it's not totally true. We were happy kids, too. But there are sad moments that started reappearing when I was listening to these songs. So I just decided we need to do that one. What, what do you do when and you're in the studio and these things get a little painful? Like, are you and these memories get painful? Is there anything? You're I looking, can't do anything. Yeah. I can't do anything. What I do, um, what I've been doing for this album is I sat down with Joe, who's my producer, Robbie Cooster on the drums, and Pierre on the engineering. I told him the first week, the first day, I said, okay, we're going to do this song. Here's the situation with this one. Here are my emotions. Here's the story behind it. Just so they can have a really understanding if they want to go there, just so they're, you know, it lives in them. They were just, oh, okay, this is this is heavier than what I thought. It's not heavy, but it's very charged with emotion. So I just cried. Like, I just literally collapsed the first day, the second day, and I'm like, okay, I'll have to find a way to not do that because I can't lose my energy. But it was, um, yeah, it's almost like being given a chance to just release them yeah. for once. And there I feel so free. I feel like when I listen to um, Wild Horses or um, Wish You Were Here, there's lightness and there's beauty, you know? It's so, a bit, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you were able to shed some of that through, mm, through, through music and through yes. performance. Let's, <gasps> yeah. let's listen to it, uh, one more. Mm. Isumagi Naitok, Elizabeth's take on the Metallica ballad, The Unforgiven. Naitok. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> uh, oh, thank you. Uh, this, I love this version oh, of it um, mm. because um, it's so different than the original Metallica version. Yeah. Um, uh, talk to me about this. Talk to me about why you decided to record this one. Mm. Talk to me about, about how you wanted to do it. It just was the easiest to translate, by by the way. It was almost like an Inuk man story. It was almost like my father's story, my grandfather, because this, it's talking about a man mm-hmm. uh, dying uh, who's gone through this life where he has regrets because he wasn't really able to to really be himself, maybe, or to go to his essence, to, to who he was meant to be because of the pressure, of the social pressure, Um so in a way, it's almost like talking about the man who was, you know, colonized and, you know, who was just trying to, who was going through struggles. And oh, I wish, you know, I mean, yeah, when I listen to my mother, Eva, talking about this song, um, she's 72, 73, my mm-hmm. biological mother. Mm-hmm. Um, she said the second time she heard it and when she saw the video clip, that came with it she was like oh i think if your a stepdad was alive he would have thought that you wrote the song for him mm. it's that and she was like i kept thinking and i'm like this is a 72 year old inuk woman listening to metallica and saying this is an inuk story this is an inuk song i'm like wow i mean that's sort of a driven home with the throat singing in the, yes. in the pieces can we just do we have some of that I 
what you're saying there. I mean, it's such a it's a psalm written by these people from Northern California about this, yes. about this person who is you know is, is dying and, and living mm. with the regrets of the life that like society has placed on him. Yes, you see it as a real inex story mm-hmm. story about your your father and people in your life. Yeah, and and the throat singing. So who, who's doing the throat singing? I'm doing throat singing with a friend, uh, Sylvia Cloutier, who who's from Goudjer, lived in Nunavut. So. Um, I think the throat singing. I don't try to put it everywhere because it doesn't need to be everywhere. For in my in my case, anyway, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. my music. Mm-hmm. But this time around, I said, you know, that that strength of the woman who's the carrier. You know, we're mothers and we're grandmothers. Um, I just thought it was very beautiful to add to a Metallica song, in a way, because it's like we're we're meeting, we're supporting each other. That feminine touch, I think, is also really nice. Yeah. yeah, for people who don't know, throat singing is done in, in pairs in, yes. and sort of staring at one another. Yes, right? it's Sometimes so holding on to one another. So there yeah. is that connection with one yeah. another. Yeah, and only few Inuit men can do it, but they have to be the chosen ones. Mm. Um, they have a very feminine feel or they're very um, in, um, around women a lot. Mm. And then they can, you know, integrate into our space. Mm. Yeah. But I, but I hear what you're saying there about the idea that there's, you you know, as uh, again, the, uh, about the hardships in yeah. the song, holding on to somebody, mm. being close to somebody, doing that will, is such a is such a comfort oh, yeah, and, yeah, symbolically and, and literally, yeah. you know? Yeah, it was so much fun. Um, did taking these songs, I mean, at this stage, I mean, you and I have spoken before and you've, you've been mm. nominated for awards and won awards and had mm. a, such a such a, a decorated career in, in this music. Did reimagining these songs in you know, to, to teach you anything new artistically that you didn't know before? Oh, I think this is my most personal album, actually. Uh, did it teach me? Most, most personal record, even though you've written. Yes. Uh, the other records are of your own music. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy. Eh? I, I, I never thought I would say this. I wasn't planned that way. It just became this huge journey where I kind of went back home, even physically, if I didn't, you know? I feel like I um, I found some new sources, new places to really inspire um, from. Um, I made peace with myself. I I don't know. It's yeah. I think it's just taught me to be even more me to mm. in my in what I do. Do you listen to time after time and go like, oh, I see what she's doing there in her chords or you know in her melody? Mm. Oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll use some, you know. That was really hard though. Time after time really? was the hardest. Um, that was the hardest one? Yeah, because Cindy Lauper has a voice that you cannot try to steal. It, Cindy Lauper is Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Same thing with I Want to Break Free yeah. by Queen. Yeah. How can I try to sing? I didn't try to sing. That's when I was like, I don't know how I could do better than their version. So that was challenging, but I really tried to find my my voice and the emotion and my story in their song. So that was where I would go, you know, in order to feel confident, in order to present these songs to you and to people. Yeah. Well, you know, it reminds me of this thing. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about the idea of there being, like, um, cover bands and then there being, like, people who, you know, reinterpret music. And we were talking about the difference between, say, like, a band that plays Thursday night at, at a bar mm. in Barrie, Ontario, mm-hmm. playing the hits, mm-hmm. and, like, uh, the Blind Boys of Alabama, you know, yeah. singing old gospel songs. Yeah. And one of the things and one of the things I said to them was, you know, the 
The difference really is, is that a great artist, through their reinterpretation, can bring things to the songs that you never thought of before, can make you appreciate the songs in a way you've never mm. thought of, and make, make you think of things that you never thought of the first time you listened to them. And uh, this album does that like I've never, never heard any other. So really a beautiful, beautiful record, and thanks for coming in and talking to me about it. Thank you, Tom. song by Queen, I Want to Break Free. In Inuktitu, it's Hima Silonga. Before that, my conversation with the artist Alyssa B. Her new album is called Inuktitu. It's out now. You can get it wherever you get your music. All right, that is it for the show today. Um, thank you so much for streaming or, or downloading. Uh, if you haven't, I mean, I've been mentioning I'm a bit of a broken record with this thing. Um, but I want to make sure you know about our conversation with Mick Jagger that we recorded a little while ago. We just found out of this this morning. This, I don't ever talk like this, but I'll do it. I'm uh, just pushing away the pushing away the negative self-talk. We uh, are making some news. Our, our interview with Mick Jagger is uh, picking up some headlines all around the world, in particular around the Rolling Stones, that they're going to make another album after this one. My favorite headline I saw was, New interview uh, discloses that Keith Richards doesn't use Zoom. Um, anyway, <laughs> you can find that conversation uh, wherever you get your podcast, Q with Tom Power, wherever you got this podcast, to be fair. The other conversation we have up today is with Allison Levy, who made a comedy special about her abortion and performed it on the day that Roe v. Wade was overturned in the United States. She'll tell you what that experience was like. All right, we'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.